This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. We've got Rob today from Cape and Krause. Rob, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You're you're calling in from, from Los Angeles, from Simi Valley, right? That's correct, Rich. It's, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you've decided to to be here and um, love your firm and and love everything that you do to help churches. And so I appreciate you investing the time to be with us today. Um, why don't we, even as we get started here, why don't you tell us about Cape and Krause, kind of what, what do you do and then what's your role uh, at the firm? Okay, great. Uh, Cape and Krause, is a, we're a national CPA firm. We've got uh, offices across the country. All we do is serve nonprofits exclusively. We don't do anything else. We don't do individual tax returns, none of that. Uh, and 99% of uh, the clients we serve are Christian ministries. So we serve about 450 churches a year. We serve uh, missionary agencies, foundations, uh, anything within, the, within a Christian ministry uh, realm, we, we serve them. I am a partner in the firm, and I head up our church and denomination services. So I, I lead our team in that area. Nice. Well, you'll you'll hear here as we go through this conversation, and part of why I'm excited to have Rob on the call is um, Rob's an expert in interacting with churches and ministries all across the country and has this real pulse on questions that people are asking and and more importantly, ha- actually has some answers. And so I'm the, I know what questions people are asking, but I don't know on this stuff. So super excited to have uh, you with us. Obviously, I think most of us are aware uh, about the CARES Act, or we see it floating by, and we're like, that applies to my church, I think. Um, why don't we talk through uh, what is the CARES Act, um, what is this PP loan, why should we be worrying about it, and why is it important that we need to take action, maybe after this call even, you know, to jump on it. So uh, let, let's talk, start with CARES. What is that? Sure. So the CARES Act is the, uh, uh, the act that was signed by the president last Friday, which provides economic stimulus uh, for you know the fact that obviously people are losing their jobs uh, left and right, and so they're trying to keep the economy stimulated. So, the part that really would apply to churches, they've uh, they set aside three hundred and forty nine billion dollars for uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, and so there are loans that are available that uh, are forgivable uh, if you meet certain criteria. So you can actually borrow up to ten million dollars if you qualify. And um, and those loans can actually be forgiven. Today's the first day to apply. And I, I would say if you're interested in it, today is the day to apply because I've right. seen I've seen calculations that uh, if every business forgetting nonprofits, forgetting churches, if every business that uh, is eligible applied, uh, they would there's probably only about 30 percent of the money that's needed. They really need over a trillion dollars. And this is only for eight weeks to keep the economy going for eight weeks. So, Yeah, that's amazing. Now, so why don't we talk through a little bit about kind of the process, what you're aware of? Are there kind of some bullet points we should be thinking about as we do that paperwork that are kind of high level we all need? And there's a ton of information out there, I realize. Um, We're going to talk about some other stuff too, but but let's let's kind of give give some, you know, some kind of guidelines we should be thinking about. Sure. So so the guidelines are you have to have fewer than 500 employees uh, U.S.-based, uh, your foreign employees. So if you're a mission agency and you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, employees overseas, they don't qualify. So yep. less than fewer than 500 employees. And uh, there's a calculation you have to go through to, to look at uh, your payroll costs during the calendar year 2019. You add up all your payroll costs, uh, divide that by 12, get an average monthly number, multiply by 2.5. That's how much you're eligible for. If you get approved for the loan, 
you have to spend the money within eight weeks after you receive the loan. Uh, and it's got to be spent at least 75% of it must be spent on payroll and payroll related costs. Uh, you can't, there are other things that, that you can pay such as, uh, the, the interest on your mortgage loan, utilities, certain other payments are included in there, but 75% of it has to be paid, has to be spent on, uh, on the payroll related costs. Now, th th there was a question, Rich, that came up and I want to address this because mm -hmm. this has been out there. Uh, there's a lot of question as to whether or not if churches were to accept federal money, would they then have to give up uh, the exemption that, that churches have from certain hiring practices and that sort of thing? And there were some regulations that were issued uh, last night by the uh, Small Business Administration, and the answer to that is no. Those exemptions remain in place, and it was clarified specifically. So churches, if if you qualify, you ought to seriously be thinking about applying for this. Yeah. And I saw a couple of things to highlight there. And we saw this in our, our conversation with the church lawyers last week as well. The, the impetus of these funds and the kind of drive that the government, and you can confirm this or, or push back against this, the, the drive seems to be, hey, um, we want to keep people employed. We want to keep them on your payroll. We don't want them to en end up um, you know, off your payroll. And mm -hmm. we want to default towards caring for them. Like we're, we're you know, like um, it's kind of employee centric. We're trying to help the, the employees is it would, that would be similar how this really, the kind of the way this, um, you know, these PP loans and this kind of cares act is leaning same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, you know, the, the whole intent is they want to keep cash flowing in the economy. So they want to keep people employed. And, uh, then obviously you've got the money to pay your rent and to buy groceries and, and the things that you need to do. So that's the whole intent behind this. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate you clarifying because I know there are a lot of churches that are concerned about government infringement. They're concerned about like, hey, people are going to step in. And again, to underline for folks, um, and my recommendation would be the same. I am, I have, you know, I, again, I'm not qualified for anything. I just have <laughs> stuff on the internet. But my recommendation would be you should step in and and, and apply for this. The, these funds, um, you know, we want to keep the people on your staff uh, employed and, you know, you do it and you want to do it today to underline that, you right. know, the, the chance of this running out is very high. If you know, 350 billion sounds like a lot, but it, as you've underlined, you know, it, it will go away quickly. Um, it will. And so we want to make sure we do that. Anything else on, on cares we want to dive into before we kind of transition into some other stuff? No, I think there's a lot out there. I mean, if, if you've got yeah. questions, you, you can go to our website. We've got all sorts of information. I think we even have a copy of the, uh, uh, a link to the latest uh, application that, that was issued last night by SBA. So, so go to our website, capeandkraus.com. There's all kinds of information there. Yeah, perfect. Great. And we'll send uh, we'll get a link out as well in in the follow up to all this as well, too. That's, that's fantastic. All right. So you have a view on a lot of churches. And um, one of the issues that we're wrestling with right now is how do we maintain giving through this time? You know, um, that is that, you know, the, the lifeblood, I remember Howard Hendricks, you know, way back, this goes back to when I was in school, you know, the question was how much ministry does $100 buy? And he said, well, about $100 worth. And, um, you know, so we, we have to be concerned about that. What would be some of the things uh, from your perspective that would be best practices for maintaining giving through this uh this period sure i i think a couple of things one is um now is not the time to be shy you know you need mm -hmm. to talk about your your need you need to talk about where you are let the congregation know that they want to help i mean people go to go to your church because they love your church and they and they mm -hmm. want to support it as best they're able so so i think one of one thing is to is to uh, let them know what the need is. But mm -hmm. 
But along with that is tie it to vision. We all know that that people don't give to to pay the light bill or to to pay the uh, the insurance premium. People give to vision. So yes. it's important yes. that you're casting the vision, not just for um, you know your your everyday ministry, but what are the opportunities that you have today that are unique because of the circumstance we're in. I think churches that reach out and get involved in their community and aren't just worried about what's happening inside their four walls, so to speak, uh, those are the churches that I think are going to, are really going to thrive when we come out of this. They're going to, they're going to be more deeply established in, in their neighborhood. So, so talk about the things that you're able to do. Uh, you know, telling stories, we're, we're a storytelling nation. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you can tell a story about how your church has ministered to someone during this time, you know, maybe somebody who's elderly and can't go to the grocery store, you know, what, whatever the story is, talk about how the money they're giving is impacting lives and how they're impacting lives for Christ. Yeah, so I, I love that. I love that. I think it's a great encouragement. Also encourage in that, like this is, we not only love stories, but people also are very visual. And so if you've got, you know, pictures of stuff that you're doing, this is a great time to like, you know, show that picture even either on your weekend stream or, um, you know, in your emails and, you know, to get out in front of your people to be communicating, um, you know, for sure. Now I'm hoping that churches are, will actually do that, but, but there may be some churches that are struggling on the cash flow side. They may get to the point where they're like, Hey, we're, uh, you know, the burn rate is, is either increasing because they are doing more work. I'm bumping into churches that that's the issue. They're like, we're, you know, our benevolent stuff is through the roof and, and we want to reach out and help. Uh, or frankly, they're, um, you know, they're, they've seen their kind of giving go down. Let's talk, let's talk through the kind of cash flow crunch. What are some things we should be thinking about, uh, as it relates to our, our cash flow? How should we be managing that? What, what should we be looking at? Well, I, I think there there are a number of things in, in that, Rich. I think it's important to be obviously monitoring the giving and doing everything you can on that side. And again, I would emphasize online giving and those sorts of things. But I, I would be doing a, um, a cash flow forecast. Some churches are doing it daily, uh, at least a weekly cash cash flow forecast looking out you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks, so that you're not going to be surprised. If you get to the point that you see that that cash crunch coming, there are a few things I think you can do. One, communicate to the congregation. Let them know. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, I think you can go through and look at what are those expenses that we can, you know, sort of the low-hanging fruit that are, that are easily reduced. So outside services, like the, the maybe you have an outside group that comes in to clean the clean the church and the and the facilities you probably can cut that off the the maintenance folks the gardening that sort of thing look yeah. at all of those outside contracts that that can be cut off uh, and I would I would just terminate them or, or suspend them immediately mm-hmm. beyond that I think um, looking at those programs that may not be as effective or as efficient as they could be, Mm-hmm. Uh, things that maybe you were thinking about before, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, maybe we should, we should stop doing this or we should do this in a different way. Now's the time to make those decisions. And then the hardest one of all would be to look and say, who are those staff people that, you know, gosh, we probably should have made some decisions or we've been thinking about that. Now's the time to, to, to think seriously about making those, those decisions. I think, you know, it's always hard to, to let somebody go in, in, in a church, you know, the congregation mm-hmm. gets to know and love people. And, and so that's always difficult, but there, there, 
this may be the time where you can make those decisions and people are going to understand because of where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I think if, if you see that cash crunch coming and you've got a mortgage or a loan mm-hmm. with a bank, talk to them sooner than later. Um, right. You know, one of the things that you can do is uh, many banks are giving uh, deferrals on loan payments. So a lot of them are suspending your, your mortgage payments for three months. So go talk to the bank right away. Probably should do that anyway. The yeah. interest, interest will continue to accrue, but at least you won't be saddled with that payment for those three months. And that's mm-hmm. obviously for, for a lot of churches, that's a huge cost. If you've yeah. got a landlord, maybe you can talk to the landlord about, um, you know, if you don't own your facility, talk to the landlord about the same thing. Um, yep. You know, a lot of landlords are working with churches and they'll be willing to to defer payments for three months. Maybe not forgive them, but at least say, hey, we're going to defer it and then you can pay it off over whatever period of yeah. time. Make it up over the year for the following year, have a slightly yeah. higher pay, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Also in there, I know some churches are reaching out to vendors to frankly renegotiate you know, existing, you know, uh, contracts or renegotiate, you know, fees on stuff. Like even if you have a number of staff, you know, and, and you pay their cell phone bills, I don't know if that's common or not you, that you need to call up the, whoever Verizon and say, Hey, I, I just need a lower rate. Like, and you know, we're seeing that because good things happening on, um, you know, that front, a uh, question uh, that you also had, uh, flagged. I thought while we were talking here, an issue, some churches have, um, like maybe we've been in a capital campaign and we have like the, you know, the future fund and we have, you know, we're, we're trying to raise money for a down payment on a property. And we've got this account where we've got a few hundred thousand dollars sitting there. What should we be thinking about from, um, those funds? Like, can, can I just access those? Can we just go in and say, Hey, let's move that over into, uh, you know, pay our staff for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a question that we've gotten a lot, Rich. And, and the answer yep. is no. Um, okay. when somebody gives you restricted funds, uh, they give, for a mission strip or they give for uh, a capital campaign or any other purpose, you've got both a moral and a legal obligation to use those funds for that purpose. And if you, right. if you take those funds and you redirect them without the donor's permission, you're opening yourselves up to all sorts of, of legal issues, not to mention people questioning, you know, can I trust what you say when I give you money? Um, yep. And so as you do your cash flow forecast, you need to look at where are we today and how much cash do we have? But more important than how much cash do we have is how much of that can we spend? Because right. you, like you said, yeah. you've got those funds set aside for the building building program. Uh, you may have a million dollars in the bank, but if half of it is for the building program, you only have $500,000 that you can spend. Now, can you go back and this, if this goes down a rabbit trail, just say, I don't know, someone should, you should call your <laughs> own accountant or lawyer on that. I understand right. that. Again, none of this is actual advice. We're trying to point you in the right direction. Talk to your actual professionals. But right. um, if, if we had those funds, could we go and let's say, let's say a large portion of that came from a small group of donors. Could I go back to those donors and say, Hey, can, can we reallocate these funds as operations rather than that? And we obviously need to do some sort of paperwork in there to, to, but is that possible? Yes, that is possible. If, uh, and again, I would advise you to talk to your attorney because every state has different laws and I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to practice law. Uh, So this is worth what you're paying for it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) um, Yeah. If you go back to those, those donors and you get their agreement uh, to repurpose that, I certainly would put something in writing. uh, But yes, you can, you can have those funds repurposed. Okay, great. That's good. That's a good question. I think that's an area where I think some churches may not be thinking clearly. They're like, well, we're fine. We got this money sitting in the account. 
Uh, well, no, you don't if you're, if it's not designated correctly. That's right. Um, when it comes to, you know, forecasting, are there, um, you know, particular areas that in your area of expertise, you think some churches miss on when they are in an environment like this. Now I know we're in like an unprecedented time. That's like going to be the word of the year, but yeah. you know, it's the thing that it's, it's hard to predict, but are there areas where you would see kind of the layperson who's thinking about forecasting, frankly, misses in a time like this? Um, if they're just thinking about kind of the next 90 days, it seems like everybody's thinking like, okay, well, how do we get to summer? What is the next or get to July? What does that look like? Um, right. Are there things that people are not thinking about clearly when they're, they're, they're forecasting? Well, I, I think people can be, can be too optimistic or too pessimistic when, mm. when they're forecasting. So what I would suggest is uh, I would do three forecasts. I would do mm. a, a best case, a worst case, and a most likely case. And, you know, we're, we're three weeks in for, for most churches. We're three weeks into uh, doing church online. Uh, they're starting to see perhaps a trend. I know I was, uh, I was talking to a pastor and he said, hey, the first week we had 50% of normal. The next week we had 150% of normal. So I don't know where, where we're going to fall out, but I would be monitoring that very carefully. And I would say, okay, well, what if you're at 50%? What, what is that going to look like? I mean, what, what right. changes do you have to make? What if you're at 75%? What if you're at 100%? If, it, if it's over that, great, then, then that's fantastic. But I would do those, those three different forecasts, and I would be prepared to make the decisions I have to make depending on what you see, what you see happening. Yeah. Absolutely. This is fantastic. This is, uh, you know, in a time like this, uh, you know, having a great relationship with an accounting firm that can help us think strategically. Um, accountants are more than just like, oh, that's what we did last year. It, let's look at the paperwork. We can mine data out of that that will help us to make decisions going forward. And this is one of those moments where, um, you know, frankly, that data is super important for us. I was, you know, I was joking earlier with a friend, you know, I, so I've moved in the organization I run, I've moved to writing our cash balance on my whiteboard beside my desk. I've never done that in my, however, 20 minute, 20 years of ministry, but I'm like, I check every day, where are we at? Uh, yeah. And because we want to keep on top of it. And so um, now on the, so this idea of we're reducing expenses, we're trying to, you know, keep things um, as tight as possible in this, in this moment um, for this, you know, next maybe six, eight weeks, particularly. Um, are you seeing um, on the, on the revenue side, are there, are there, would there be some early warning signs that you would, you would kind of, whether it's maybe a drop or drop from a particular category of donor or, um, you know, I, that may get into more donor development stuff, but is there, are there, is there some way to look at that beyond just the total number? Or is there a certain way to look at that, that you might be thinking about from your side? Yeah, I, I would think so, Rich. I, I would think you can go into your donor database and, uh, you know, hopefully you're analyzing that, that donor database. So you've got a good sense of, of who your top, your top givers are, who the next tier is, and so on. I mean, most churches run under the 80-20 rule where, where 20% of the donors are going to provide 80% of the giving. So I think you want to be monitoring those those givers. Um, right. And, uh, you know, frankly, I, I think it's okay to to reach out to, to some of them just to see how they're doing. If all of a sudden you see somebody that's been really faithful given, you know, $200 a week, and all of a sudden they stop. Hey, are they okay? And it's a great place, a great time just to minister to them. I, I, I heard somebody say, we want to reach out to our congregants uh, to see what we can do for them, not what we can get from mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a great line. And, and that's a great time just to reach out and maybe, hey, I didn't even think about it. I used to drop the check in the, in the basket 
maybe I'll go online and, and I'll sign up for the online giving or, or I'll go to my bank and I'll set up bill pay so it comes out every week automatically. But I would be monitoring those. Uh, and there are, there are organizations that have software that can help you with that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a c- couple of different organizations that, that we work with, you know, particularly like Generis, they, they, they can help you with things like that. So I would be, I would be looking at that. Yeah, that's very good. I know, um, you know, we're coming out of, and you, you know, probably everyone has heard this statistics. You hear these things out there all the time, right? We've just come off of 10 years of an incredible economy. And, you know, the, the chances that the next 10 years are going to continue in the pattern of the the last 10 years, that's pretty hard to imagine. And obviously with this current scenario, that's pretty hard to imagine. And so I think this is one of those areas around the donor side, particularly all of our churches are going to have to get better at. We're going to have to become clearer on how we communicate and all that. So if you're watching today and you want to to ask some questions, please feel free to do that. Drop that in the, uh, in the little comment box there and we'll get a chance uh, to come for, you know, to talk, talk that through. Obviously we've got Rob today from Cape and Krause excited for uh, today's conversation. Why don't we pivot a little bit and, and think about the future? What should we um, be thinking about kind of how we're positioning what's happening now to really set us up to be stronger for the future, to think, Hey, where, where can, what decisions can we be making today that could put us in a better spot for a year, two years from now? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think, I think it's pretty clear that when we come out of this, you know, whether it's three months, six months, whatever it is, church is likely to look different. We're going to be doing uh, our ministry differently, uh, even when we gather gather together again. So I'd be I'd be thinking about what are the changes that you're going to make in your ministry down down the road uh, to do ministry more effectively and more efficiently. I think you know a lot of churches are are going to look and they're going to say, "Hey, we need to we need to cut some costs now, so we're going to streamline and make some some decisions." So churches are going to be more efficient, I think, coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you look down the road strategically, how is your ministry going to change? What what's going to be different? You know, maybe you don't need this ministry or as many people doing that, but we're going to want people doing this. You know, maybe because we're reaching out more to the community than we ever have in the past, maybe we're going to have a more of a community-based ministry uh, going forward. So think about strategically what that's going to look like. And I know you've got a lot of things going on today, you know, just trying to deal with today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Proverbs talks about the importance of planning as well. So I think mm. if, if we look down the road, What's going to happen and what, what changes do you need to make structurally within the ministry, both in terms of, of what your staff looks like um, and in terms of, of other things that you need to put in place, whether it's, whether it's infrastructure or technology or whatever. What, what's that going to look like? And I'd start thinking about that and planning for that. Yeah. So um, an area that probably I would imagine uh, a year ago, if, if you, if you and I were on this conversation and we were talking to people, one of the things that I always seems to come up when I, you know, talk with XP friends is, you know, how much cash on hand do you guys hold? Um, You know, are you, is it two weeks? Is it two months? Is it two years? Uh, And, and, you know, I, I, that conversation is, is always funny because when things are going well, it's like, no one wants to talk about that. It's like, it's just like this, ah, let's forget about it. Forget about it. Um, so in the midst of the pain, I know there's lots of churches. I don't know what the number is you're going to say. This is not me setting you up knowing the number number you're going to (laughs) say, but I know there's lots of churches that are like, oh yeah, we didn't, we didn't set enough aside. They're, they're convinced they know that. What is the advice that you were giving before all this? And what would you be telling the churches today to be thinking about that cash on hand issue? I think we're all learning. Oh, that was probably a good idea. Oh yeah. Well, and, and 
This is a great question, Rich, because I think, you know, a lot of people, uh, you, you'll hear different things. At Cape and Cross, we've got something that we call the Church Financial Health Index. Yep. Uh, so it's a database where we have hundreds of churches in there, and uh, we're able to measure your financial health in, in a yep. number of different ways, giving ratios, expense ratios, debt ratios, staffing ratios, that sort of thing. Um, and we've established benchmarks of what we think are best practices, not just us, but working with lenders and working with uh, other XPs um, or XPs. As a former, as a recovering XP, I still say other XP. <laughs> uh, but, um, but uh, and we established benchmarks. And, and I would always say minimum 30 days, best practice would be 60 to 90 days uh, of operating cash uh, just for, for something like this. And that's not going to change. I think, you you know, if, if you don't have, frankly, if you don't have 60 to 90 days of, of cash set aside, assuming that that giving stopped today, I think, yeah. I think, you, I think you're exposed when, when something like this happens or even something's not as severe as this. So 60 to 90 days would be my, my recommendation. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, that's a sober um, number and it's like, Hey, you know, that's a, take a deep breath. We, you know, a lot of churches obviously aren't in that spot today. Um, but the thing I do know, uh, talking with churches across the country, um, you know, I, I know I have some friends that serve in churches that they have that plus and, and they're at the position now where they're doubling down and serving in their communities. They're like, Hey, now's the time God gave us that, that reserve. We we're going to kind of put that on the field and make a difference in their community. Um, and so I, you know, it's been exciting to hear actually, you know, the kind of ministry opportunity that that can, can, um, you know, can bring about, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I'm going to play, <laughs> you know, a little bit of devil's advocate on this and say, it might be actually angels. Cause it's, it, people would, I'm sure cast it to you this way. And they'd say, well, listen, donors give us money, uh, to, to, to make a difference. They don't give us money so we can build interest in some bank account somewhere. Cause you're not getting any interest anyways. So what, what would you say to a church that would be saying that? Cause that, I know there's lots of guys that, that, that fit in that category. Sure. Yeah. And, and we do hear that a lot. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a matter of stewardship and you've got to steward everything that God gives you. So you need to steward the people uh, that are on your staff. You need to steward your congregants. You need to steward your facilities and, and the assets that God's provided. And if if you're living so close to the edge that there's a hiccup and all of a sudden you can't, you can't make the mortgage payment or you can't pay your staff and you're having to look at laying somebody off, that's not good stewardship. I think right. the, the reality is that, that, you know, stuff happens and, and yep. you have to be prepared for that. But even beyond that, I think there are times that there are ministry opportunities that that are presented to to a church. And mm -hmm. if you don't have resources set aside, how are you going to take advantage of that opportunity that yeah. God has laid before you? And now you're not in a position to do anything about it. And so you missed an opportunity to, to share the gospel or to, or to minister to people that, that need to be ministered to. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's that's fantastic. Again, if you've got question friends, uh please feel free to leave them in the uh in the chat box. A question about Cape and Christ. How how so in normal times, how do you guys work with churches? What are you, you know, how do you kind of help them? And I'd love to hear kind of in these last few weeks what have you been doing uh to help with churches as well? Sure. Well, normally um uh, working with churches. So we've got a couple of different things. We, you know, we, we do the typical CPA things. We do audits mm -hmm. and reviews and, and compilations of financial statements. So if you've got a bank loan and they require an audit, um, 
we're, we're there to, to help you with that. But even within that, we work with churches to help them improve their operations. So we're looking for, for ways that we can uh, not just help them improve on the accounting side, but we work with so many churches. We talk with so many pastors about so many topics that mm-hmm. will say, hey, you know, we've seen other churches that are doing X, Y, or Z. And have you guys thought about doing that? Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, as a former executive pastor myself, uh, I, I think I, I can relate to churches more than the typical accountant can. Sure. Um, and so, so we have a lot of those conversations. We also do a lot of consulting with churches on, on financial issues um, mm. and, and in other areas. So we, we have a whole consulting group uh, and, um, you know, we do things for, for churches that don't, for instance, that don't need a financial statement audit or review. I'll get calls from churches that say, you know, our board wants us to have an audit. And uh, first question I'll have is, well, are you required to have an audit because of a bank loan? No. I said, well, what, what does the board really want? Well, they want to know that we're, we're doing things properly. I said, no, right. okay. Uh, audit, we can do that for you, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. We've got other services that, frankly, are more targeted to that and will be more in-depth in what you want mm-hmm. and will cost about, about 20% of what an audit would cost. That's a lot Way of more effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we do those kinds of what, what we call a church checkup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, and then just recently, we've been uh, moving into an area where we actually, uh, for churches, again, that, that aren't in the place where they need uh, audits or reviews, um, but they need somebody to come alongside and help them with their bookkeeping or a controllership or a CFO function, hmm. we are doing that as well. So, uh, you know, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of organizations doing that. Most, frankly, don't do it very well. And so we've, hmm. we see a need. We want to step in and take the expertise that we've got from almost right. 50 years. Cape and Cross has been around almost 50 years. And hmm. all those churches, all those ministries that we've worked with, we've learned a thing or two. And we want to leverage that for the churches just in, in their day-to-day uh, financial management. So, mm-hmm. so th- those are some of the things that, that we're doing. Um, last few weeks, um, I've been working harder than ever, Rich. And uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, very little of it billable time because <laughs> we've, been, we've been staying on top of what's going on with, you know, with the CARES Act. And we've, and we've been yeah. staying on top of all the different ramifications for churches. Mm-hmm. And try, trying to provide information, you know, uh, there's a lot of information that's out there. A lot of folks mm-hmm. are putting information out about the, the different uh, ramifications of this and looking at the CARES Act and the PPP program and all that. Some of it, frankly, is wrong. Some of it, it we just haven't known because there's not a lot of guidance that's come from the government. But right. we've been spending a lot of time working with churches uh helping them understand that, helping them prepare for, for today in, in filing mm-hmm. their loan applications and actually uh, providing advice on that and helping, helping some organizations with that, as well as helping them to look forward in terms mm-hmm. of what, you know, some of the things we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Now, I would think there might be some people who would say, hey, this is a time where we're cutting back. We're not adding services in. Um, but this is an area where I would think that you may actually want to think the reverse of that. The decisions you might be making in the next six months, let's say, financially could determine the kind of long-term financial health of your organization. I would think actually this is a perfect time to engage with Cape and Krause to say, hey, we need to start this conversation. Are you encouraging that? Or you're saying, no, maybe we should wait, you know, let's get to a normal audit cycle or something like that. What, what, do, you, what do you think on that front? Well, I, I think it is a time, a time for that. And, right. 
the reality is that uh, you need to have somebody, if you don't have that expertise in-house, you need to have somebody that, that you can talk to. Uh, we can come alongside you. It doesn't cost a lot of money. You know, we can, we can figure out where you are and we can talk to you. And in just a matter of a few hours, I think we can provide some great advice. So it's not going to cost you a lot of money, but it can mm-hmm. really help you think through some of those key issues and save you money down the road. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I'm a big fan of strategic outsiders. I think, you know, you provide that service to so many churches. The thing I've said to other friends is, listen, like, you know, when you hire a firm like Cape and Cross, you're getting the expertise, the combined expertise of all those other churches that they've worked with. Um, and like you say, in a few hours could get some real clarity. And, um, and you know, I guess my, my burden, my concern is in this moment, uh, you know, on this side, uh, if we don't, if we make a misstep, um, you know, our churches could end up, even just in some of the stuff we talked about today, could end up in a really, you know, negative uh, situation yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Friends, any other questions? There haven't questions haven't come in. They're not streaming in today. Uh, that's because you've just been so helpful, Rob. It's just, you're just, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, helping big time. Uh, but you know, the one thing I was wondering about while we were you know, we're talking about earlier this whole area of giving. So there may be churches that are out there who have not been doing digital giving, which. Um, so understand that. Great. You weren't, but now you need to be, what would be some of those first steps, um, you know, that you would recommend to a church who's listening in to say, yeah, we're, we're scrambling here to try to get that thing going. Um, uh, what, what would be some of those first steps that you would be recommending to churches on that front? Well, I, I think, um, um, you probably need to think through your congregation, but, uh, you know, there's, I don't think there's any reason not to do digital giving. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody earlier this week and they said, yeah, we've never really done it. Uh, but we've got, uh, cause we have an older congregation. They said, well, mm-hmm. most, I don't know about, about you, but I, I know a lot of, of older people. I probably qualify as one that they love to text. They text their grandkids. They text their friends. <laughs> you can, you can do text giving. Um, yep. Uh, to think about, um, you know, what it takes to get into digital giving, I, I would either, you know, you can talk to your banker or there are lots of organizations out there that, that do it. One of the best out there is PushPay. Uh, mm-hmm. You can you just pick up the phone and call the guys at PushPay and uh, they can walk you through the process. They, they would know, obviously, a lot more of the details of that than I do. Yep. But, but I, I, I would reach out to your banker. I would reach out to PushPay. I would maybe reach out to guys like Generis to ask them for, for some input. Yeah, that's great. Tim asked the question. I've got a couple ideas, but I'd love to hear yours as well. So what are the strategies you'd suggest beyond digital giving to keep offerings coming in? A couple of things, Tim, I've been hearing and recommending to folks. One would be, um, so you've got, uh, you know, your kind of core donor community, that group of however many donors, depending on your size, your church, 50, 100, that represent that kind of larger portion. You want to be reaching out to them today. I know there's a whole debate around who knows who knows what and all that stuff, uh, putting that aside for a second, um, you know, one way to do that in a digital age is, and I've heard of a few churches doing this, and I've been recommending it, is actually running something very similar to this, almost like a digital town hall using a webinar platform. Uh, you could, you know, cast it to that group and say, hey, we want to get people together who have represented, you know, our, you know, kind of core community at our church and to give you an update on where things are at. 
run three or four of them. So don't just put it on one time, run the same thing three or four times so that you kind of people can make sure you're, they're available for it. And it's an opportunity to cast vision, to thank people for giving, to tell a few stories. Um, and then frankly, to be clear on a kind of what the financial picture looks like. Um, you know, you can do that in a digital format. You could, you could do that offline. You should be doing that kind of thing offline as well, but there's no reason why you couldn't pull that trigger, you know, Monday after Easter, send out an email, start talking to people. The other thing I've, I've suggested to churches, uh, so the mail service continues to run, um, which and and probably will continue to run for a long time. It's hard to imagine that that won't run. And churches, I find in general, for whatever reason, we've given up on sending people things, which is strange to me. As the world becomes more digital, actually, the value of stuff arriving in the mail is quite high. And so I would suggest... Um, this could be a great season for you to do the same thing. Cast vision, put together a piece, put together a letter with a response envelope um, and, and say, hey, this is the same kind of thing. Here's stories of what's happening. Here's a vision of what we think God's calling us to. And here's a current need um, and getting that out in the mail. You know, I... And, and that, um, you know, I've been recommending that for years for churches, even like young churches who who reach like lots of young, uh, um, like families, that kind of strategy, uh, you know, lands in someone's home. It reminds them. And frankly, there are people who still manage their life with like a stack of bills. And although we don't think what we do is a bill, they put that into that pile and then they say, oh, okay, I'm, I'd like to give something to the church now. So that'd be, that'd be a couple things. Anything else you think, um, you know, from your perspective that, that you've seen that's been particularly innovative in these days to help kind of keep the revenue coming in? I, I, no, I, I haven't seen anything more innovative than that. I think that's a great sure. idea, Rich. I, I think the, the one thing that I would, I would just expand on that you said is, is, you know, talk about what the need is, show them what the opportunity is and make a specific ask. When yep. you've got, when you've got those core givers, they want to support your church. Um, and especially if you know, you've got a group of givers that are not giving out of income, but they're giving out of their wealth. Um, they, they, they know you're going to ask, they want to be asked, they want to help. So ask them and ask specifically, don't be embarrassed about that. This is a time this is a time to share the need. If, if I can share a story, Rich, when, when yeah, I was yeah. an ex-pastor, um, the Great Recession, uh, our giving mm -hmm. stayed strong through most of 2008. At the end of the year, it dropped off. It just fell off the table. And mm -hmm. so uh, we look at and uh, our pastor and, and I together, we're very strong and we're going to live within our means. So we did some of the things that I've talked about in reducing expenses. You know, we looked at probably made some decisions that should have been made earlier. And, and we looked at areas that, that we could cut and we got it all together. And uh, by the end of January, I, I called the bank and I said, here's what happened. Want you to know, here's the steps that we've taken. And uh, we had a line of credit and uh, the pastor and I were both new at the church and we're still in the place where we had to rely on the line of credit during the summer. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I want to make sure there's no issues with that line of credit. Yep. And they said, nope, you're fine. Everything's great. So we went through, uh, Cape and Krause came out and did our audit uh, several months later. We submitted it to the bank. And the next day we got the call from the bank and they said, they're pulling our line of credit. Mm. This was months after we had mm. set this thing up and not long before we were going to have to start drawing on the line of credit. Well, the thing I can tell you is, is that uh, our pastor then had been at the church for three years. Uh, and he had always been very clear about finances. He'd been very clear. He built this confidence in the congregation. So when he went before the congregation and told them the story, 
and we said, you know, this was a $500,000 line of credit. We'd like mm. to replace that. We're going to do a short-term capital campaign. Because he had, he had taught on giving, he had talked about the finances, and uh, his approach was always no pressure. I want you to go before God, ask God what he would have you do, listen and follow what he tells you to do, and we'll be fine. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not stressed over this as long as everybody listens and follows. Well, over the next two weeks, we raised a million and a half dollars. Praise God. And That's we have amazing. never had to rely on that line of credit since then. That's now been, been 11 plus years. Wow. Never had to rely on that line of credit since then. So, so make the ask. Be clear. Don't, don't be embarrassed about it. Mm, that's amazing. That's fantastic. That's such a cool story. I love that idea of asking clearly. Um, you know, I think our, we can do that and we should do that all the time, but we can be doing that in this season. JD asked the question, our elders uh, decided a long time ago not to become a 501c3 to do it officially. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but does our church still qualify for the CARES Act, the PP loan stuff that's happening uh, right now? So I think what JD's asking is that they they didn't go to the IRS and get a uh, determination letter that they're mm. uh, tax exempt. Uh, but if you are a church and you qualify as a re- religious organization, you are automatically tax exempt. And yes, mm-hmm. you would qualify for the PPP loan. Okay, great. Uh, so Tim says, so we, uh, we also decided to go old school. We segmented our givers who prefer giving in cash or check and sent them four self-addressed metered uh, envelopes for their uh, convenience in giving. Fantastic idea. To, uh, to our surprise, we received more than $20,000 so far. Yesterday, uh, we received another 13 envelopes, uh, but haven't got the total up yet. Comments on that. First of all, I think that's a great idea. That's a practical tactic. You know the people who prefer to give that way. Let's pull that data, get out and get, it, get in front of them. Love the idea of let's, let's actually send them the response envelopes, put the stamps on it uh, to be proactive. Any thoughts on that, on Tim's idea there? Oh, I think that's fantastic. And, and I think it demonstrates that you had a knowledge of your donor database. You're analyzing yep. that. Uh, and so, again, I would encourage uh, everybody to be looking at that donor database and analyzing it, not just now, but on an ongoing ongoing basis. There's a lot of data. You used the term earlier, Rich, a lot of data that can be mined out of that. And, and I think we need to do that. The one thing I would encourage uh, you to do beyond that is to reach back out to those folks and thank them. Um, you know, at, at this point in time, maybe you've got staff that aren't um, aren't doing what they were doing before, and they have some time on their hands. Uh, have those folks reach out and and you know to those people and thank them. See if there's you know how you can pray for them. If there's anything practically you can do uh, to follow up. So it's not just what can we get from you, but what can we do for you. Yeah, I love that. Kind of related to this, I know there are some leaders who are listening in who are resistant, because I hear this all the time, who are resistant to anyone knowing any donor data at all. Um, and what, what do you say to those churches? Are they like, oh, I know that like some, like a financial, like a bookkeeper needs to know to generate tax receipts, but outside of that, I don't want anyone to know. Um, and almost see it like, uh, you know, I, there's the obviously Jesus admonition between left hand and right hand. Don't let one, you know, and so wh- what would you say to a church that's struggling with that? Uh, and, you know, how would you suggest we think about those things? Well, I, my own personal view is, um, I frankly think the pastor should know, not so that you treat people differently, but especially if you've got those people that are giving out of their wealth, they need to be discipled differently. They need to hear a diff- different message than uh, you know than the guy that, that's giving you know 
probably living paycheck to paycheck or almost paycheck to paycheck is is putting money in every every week he needs to hear a different message than than that other guy that they're discipled differently so I think it's important uh, that mm-hmm. that you know, and I think the reality is, if you've been around the church for any period of time, you're going to know who those people are anyway. Sure. Um, maybe you don't need to know the exact dollar amount that they're giving, but you probably mm-hmm. need to know uh, what tier they fall into, yep. so yep. that so that you can just minister to them appropriately. Yeah, I think that's a good word there. I think that's a great. Um, you know, even to, to think about like the kind of tiering from a communication point of view, that's, that's, in, that's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, for sure. I, you know, and yeah, I would follow along very much with you. That's my, the same advice I give to churches and church leaders. And, um, you know, my experience having led in a number of churches where that's the case, where as a senior leadership team, that was a part of our kind of responsibility. I've always been humbled and honored by uh, people's giving. I think, I think there's a fear in pastors' minds that they're like, if, we, if I see this data, two things are going to happen. One, I'm going to treat people differently. Or two, I'm going to be discouraged because it's like this person who you know, has whatever is, is not giving at all. And while there is some of that, that is true, um, I'm, there's far more on the other side where I'm like, Gosh, I just God's people are amazing. You know, I'm I'm consistently come out of those conversations with, you know, God's super gracious to us and his people are super generous. And so um yeah, I think I think that's great. Um Paul asked a question. If I remember correctly, nonprofits uh, nonprofit employees are not eligible for unemployment under the FUTA guidelines. Does CARES Act change that in any way beyond the $600 allocation? Yes, it did. There's a, uh, uh, so generally speaking, uh, church employees, not, not necessarily nonprofits, but church employees, most churches do not participate in their state's unemployment uh, programs. Um, but there is, uh, there are elements, uh, it wasn't in the CARES Act, but I think it was in, in FSDRA. In, that's, that's correct, uh, where, where they absolutely do qualify for, for that unemployment. Yeah, Paul, I'd, I'd encourage you uh, to, to, we actually did an interview last week with the church lawyers on FFCRA, the so Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and uh, different, different than CARES, uh, but it does cover that issue, and it's actually a great conversation. We dig into all that. The, the drive of it is very similar. It's, it's employee-centric, and they're trying to uh, not be onerous and to get resources in the hands of, of people, and that issue specifically we actually deal with in that uh, you know, that interview. Well, we're coming back up to the top of the hour. I want to make sure that, uh, that we make, that we give people clear understanding around how to get in touch with Cape and Krause. You know, what, you know, if, if people are interested, if they're like, Hey, I'd love to jump on the phone with somebody, get a bit more advice, that kind of thing. What, uh, you know, wh- where should we send them that, that, all that kind of stuff? Uh, sure. Um, well, I, I would go to our website, capeandkraus.com. Uh, and, uh, there, again, there's a ton of resources there, especially related to all things nonprofit, a lot, a lot of things churches, and certainly everything around the CARES Act and, and what's going on with that. If you want to talk to somebody, um, you can send an email into uh, through our website. I think it's info at com, but don't don't quote me on that. Um, but but it is on our website. There's also a list of uh, if you click on who we are. Uh, you get a list of the partners and managers and feel free. I've been getting some emails and I mean, if I get flooded, I'll, I'll respond as, as well as I can, but feel free to reach out to me and, and I'll be happy to respond. If you need to speak with somebody in, in your local area, then I can refer to one of my partners, uh, you know, who, who's closer to you than I am. 
perfect. So I put a link in the chat there for you to check out Cape and Krause. I'd, I would strongly encourage you uh, to do that, to reach out. Again, friends, from my perspective, this is the season where you need uh, expert advice around you. Um, you might have been able to wing this uh, you know, a year ago, but there's enough complexity in the environment now that you need experts like Cape and Krause on your side uh, in this moment. Uh, so Flo asks, can I see your email? It's on that. If you go to Cape and Krause, uh, you'll see there's a way to contact direct there. Um, it's super easy for you to do it. They've got a great website. Uh, Rob, I really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. Thanks for all the work you're doing to help churches. I know uh, you're providing some excellent support in the season. So thank you so much, Rob. Oh, you're welcome, Rich. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.